0: And uh, we're at the 106th, 106th Chief Uya podcast. And I want to welcome all of our longtime listeners as well as uh, new folks coming in. And I want to thank you for spending this time. I know we haven't been on our consistent uh, every seven day cycle, but there's been a lot uh, happening right now that I've had to share my attention with. So. You know, we do what we can when we can. Uh, before I even start to share any, anything, I want to just give, um, a word of gratitude to all those who sent in well wishes for, uh, one of our soldiers and Anu who recently, uh, made her graduation back to the essence. And, um, you know, it's on the Anu Life Global Ministries channel. We, we, uh, filmed the, uh, memorial services, but I just wanted to thank everyone. You know, who showed support, said a kind word, said a word of support. Um, And of course, those who who came to the actual memorial service that we had. So just wanted to, to put that first and foremost before uh, we spoke about anything else, man. It was it was good to be able to see someone in natural, be able to grow within the law, you know, divine law and to. Start to really see what the, what the, the machine of life meant before they sort of went, went to return to that place that they're from. So I was, I was um, happy to see her growth and to be able to help to facilitate certain experiences for also her family as well. And, um, here we are. We move forward. You know, now she's beyond the realms of, Egotism and selfish, selfishness and greed. And, um, she's back to her place of, of childlike energy. So, uh, congratulations to her for her graduation. But, you know, I wanted to speak about a, a few things and this would be one of those, those shorter segments, like, like, uh, the mini segment I did recently. Um, uh, Because we're coming to also the closing of this, this Gregorian year of 2023. And, you know, last year we did a challenge and I want to put that to you again, you know, um, a challenge to lead us into, um, next year, you know, and well, next Gregorian that we can start on the 21st. And I would say we could start preparing on the 21st and then, you know, carry it over because, uh, Normally I would have done some sort of, uh, podcast or something and said, okay, let's, we're getting ready to do this. And, but like I said, it's just been too much, not too much, but there's just been a lot happening and it's still a lot happening. It's, I have to actually preach another eulogy, uh, this coming Sabbath. So I just came out of doing one eulogy and, uh, I have to do another one in just a few short days. Um, of also someone who is, is very dear to me as well. So, you know, we don't stop. We keep going, right? But, uh, in any case, yeah, we can start gearing up on December 21st. And I figured we could go into, uh, January 24th, you know, but I'll speak about that coming soon as well. But, you know, if you want to do the challenge that we did last, last year, uh um, we can definitely do that uh oh and we can mix it up even a little bit but uh, let's look at how we can embrace our strength you know in a determined way going into the new year you know and recognizing strengths a lot of times is so important because sometimes we're facing beings or we're facing um we're facing challenges that are brought to us by humans and we lose this understanding of the fact that humans bleed and they breathe and they, they, they die like anybody else and they're not indestructible and they're not invincible and they make mistakes. You know, so sometimes we have mortgage worries and we have debt worries and, um, we don't look at people who are maybe in high positions as having problems with debt and problems with their children and, Concerns about their careers and their pensions and so forth and so on. So sometimes when we, when we fight against what they may be seeking to do to us, we fight the wrong thing. One, because we haven't identified our strengths and we haven't identified the weaknesses of those who may be seeking to oppress us. And that's a, that's a, that's a deep science that is not really shared with the people purposely it's not really shared with the people that absolutely there are Nephilim that exists within high places. But for the most part, most of the main dominions that you would go up against are just humans, you know? So they have weaknesses, you know, and their weaknesses are never like a lot of times when you see people, um, marching, right. There'll be something that the government is doing that they disagree with. So, You know, they'll be saying, hey, down with proposals, such and such and such and such or mandate so and so and so and so. And that's a person is strong in their mandate. A person is strong in their proposals because that's where their strength is. Their strength is in their words because their words via their mandate or legislation are what we perceive to be as power. And we don't realize that behind what we that perception are frail humans. You see. And you can deal with each of them and each one of them. And again, first finding your own strength, but you never fight the mandate. You don't fight the word. <laughs> you know, you you will fight. You fight one's ability to deliver the word, the word. So you would fight. You would attack a pension. You would attack an asset. You would you would um, attack one's ability to feed their children. You see, because those are the places where they're weak. Those are their weak points. You know, if you look at a lot of times now, even in cancel culture, cancel culture doesn't mean that we're going to debate what you said or to debate the merits of an action that you took. Cancel culture is mean we're going to affect your ability to earn revenue. Like what happened to Jonathan Majors recently and being removed from the Marvel Universe because he was attacked because he was harassed. Because he was battered. He was assaulted by uh, an individual that he was in a relationship with. And his, in his defending himself, that was capitalized upon. And he now, he, he lost a lot of, a lot of, um, dead presidents. So, you know, a lot of times the interactions between ourselves and things or situation that we think may have power over us, um, it only stays as such because we we believe that it already has the power and we're looking at the interaction of the words and and the interaction of the mandates and not the people. And power is, is such a very unique thing. Um, it's very easy to claim it, super easy. It's like someone who claims to be spiritually possessed and in delivering information from the Elohim. You know, there are people who are mouthpieces for the Elohim. And then there are people who purport to be mouthpieces of the Elohim. And when you're but if you're really taking power, as I've shared before, it requires force or subterfuge. You know, so people who really want you to think that they have power over you, they need you to think it, you know, too. like if they think if I think I have power over you, I need you to believe it, too, for it to work. And the moment you begin to question that authority, um they have to prove that their power over you legally exists or lawfully exists, which is probably a better way to say it. You see, but they make it so difficult for you to question that, that most people just give up. But if you. If you know how to use your words and ask the right questions we're we're talking about whether it's spiritual entities or human impression um if you know how to use the right words, then you'll be able to effectively remove any authority that someone or something may have over you. You see power results from the acquisition of knowledge, and if you can cause a person to question their knowledge of certain ideas certain verbiage, you know, or words, then you can really cause them to question their own authority. You know, so now you could have one person in front of you who had this idea that they had so much power and they're in a position where they can do anything they want. And you can have one person standing on principle asking a question. And with every question that they're unable to ask, it weakens their position. You know now, keep that in mind, we're not just again speaking about um humans <laughs> we're speaking about humans, but we're also speaking about how we interact with power in the invisible realm as wor- as well You see words are are so important in in that sense, you know. There was a, um, when you read Alice or looking in looking glass, then it was that line when, when Humpty Dumpty is saying, when I use a word, um, if I use it in a scornful tone, it means that I just chose that I, it means, it means that what I choose to mean neither more nor less. And then Alice says, well, whether you can make words, you know, the question is whether you can make words mean so many different things. And then Humpty Dumpty said, well, the question is, which is to be master. That's all. You see. Um, so the ability to use words in different ways and with different tone and, and to twist them in a way is what makes one the master of all. You know, and I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember the exact um, wording from the book, but that book has so many deep things that actually taught you about the government. <laughs> you know, um looking you know into the looking glass, or as many people know Alice in Wonderland, you know, but you know, like I said, that power piece that's the that's the critical thing, that's the important that you think about, because through those words that are used sometimes against you or towards you, people have the power to take your children out of your home or you give it to them. They have the power to tell you, you can arm yourself and protect yourself or you can't, or you can earn this amount of money or you can't, you know? So we start to understand that words, they they don't just have definitions, but they also have meanings. And once you understand the meaning of a word, then you know the definition or you have to, you must know the definition because the assumptions sometimes that a person creates or that, um, that they create around a word or the implications of the word should come from the knowledge of the word then leading to the definition of the word. So if you don't know what a word means, it can have unlimited power over you. Just because you don't know what that word means. If you don't know what the word God means. Imagine how much power one can make it have over you. If you don't know what the word love means, imagine how much power someone could use, you know, over you utilizing that word because you haven't learned what that word means. You know, when there's one assumption made. With any word. um, Then both parties agree in that moment on a definition of that word in question. But. No word can have any power without meaning And there can be no meaning without a definition Sometimes we're just really lazy about You know, understanding what we're saying Knowing what we're saying And um, we let words just fly around our heads And be used around us And we don't ask the questions that we can And sometimes we don't understand that there are certain people who will impose They will impose upon you uh, because of a supposed authority, but if they don't even know the full meaning and the full and complete meaning of the words comprising whatever they're mandating, then those same exact words can or the weapons that they use as words can be used as weapons against them. You know, one thing you always want to find out, are we using the same definitions and if we're not using the same definitions for something, what makes your definition better than mine? You know, because there are many times when words have their definitions and their meanings changed over time. And they might mean something entirely different from for you or, you know, and you might expect something different and they might expect something different or believe something different, you know, and if you don't question definitions and, and assumptions, you're letting people take your power. And all it, all it takes is for you to stop and ask questions. Sometimes depending on the the circumstance, endless questions, you know, that's, that's the, the, the essence of, of not going down without a fight, being willing to fight, you know, because a lot of times people who don't understand what they're doing are, are spirits at a lower order and weaker. They're not used to fights. They'd rather go to to easier pickings, <laughs> you know, lower, lower uh, hanging fruit. You know, you might read a statute and that statute might have a thousand words in it. And there's a few keywords. And once you understand their meaning, you'll be able to see that, hey, there's deception going on here. And it's deception. If it's pointed out to. Human beings that you're dealing with, then, um, it will destroy their motivation. What's a, what's a, what's a soldier with no motivation? That's someone who doesn't want to fight. You see, like here's a, here's a couple of interesting ones. Um, I'm thinking about <laughs> a couple of situations of my own where I had to fight. And I stood on the principles of, uh, some of the terminology that was used that I knew did not apply to my standing as a person. For instance, we use a word application when someone says, well, you have to put in an application for this. You know, the word application means to beg. <laughs> That's why most of the time when you put in an application for something, your application is denied because you're begging an application an application you know it's to plead or to petition but it doesn't or or to implore either, even but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a right to or an implied right to whatever you're applying for some people look at applications like it's um something that you would do in order to sort of just formalize something that you should naturally and normally have but you are begging you see um, another interesting word is submission. And the word submission means to bend to the will of another. So if you submit an application or you submit something, you know, in a certain environment, um, another great word in the legalistic system is statute. A statute is just a, a legislative rule of society that has the force of law, but it's not a law. It's just, you know, a rule that we all say, oh, yeah, this makes sense. You know, a society, for instance, is just a bunch of people who who join together by mutual consent to determine, um, a goal or a common goal. You see, then you have words like must that are often used in certain environments. And that word is, is actually synonymous from a legalistic perspective is, is synonymous with the word may. May and must are the same. But if you, if you kind of listen to them, we usually, they, it has two different senses or two different assumptions associated. One is an imperative and one is a, is, and, and one is like a directive. So the, the imperative now creates an obligation and the directive describes conditions that have to be fulfilled. You like, you must eat to live. Right. Or you must drink water to live. You must breathe to live. You, but if I say, uh, for instance, even you must come to, you must come to my house through the front door. You see. So the first one is an imperative. It's imperative that you drink water or imperative that you breathe in order to live. And the other one is a directive. It's come to my house. You got to come through the front door. It's, it's kind of sneaky. If you think about it, it's kind of sneaky. But um unfortunately, we let these things sneak by us all the time and don't realize that as a result, we give certain experiences power over us that never should have it. If you look at, and this is, I don't know, I don't know if I would say it's a common one, I guess in certain circles, Uh like the word person. You know, uh, if you look in Black's Law Dictionary, um, a person is to, is defined as um um uh, someone who has rights and duties to, um ascribed to them the person is is a, is a substance or a subject so black's law dictionary says a human being is not a person because they are a human being but rather because they have rights and duties that they have been ascribed to them so the person is a legal subject or a substance that has rights and duties or, you know. So if you have rights and duties, those those attributes assigned to you, then you can be considered a person. But you can be considered if you're a human being that has no rights and no duties assigned to you, then you would not be considered a person. You see? Now again, very subtle and sneaky things that sometimes are put in front of us that we have to pay attention to. Here's one that's a little interesting. I was sharing with someone not too long ago. Uh, Apple. You know, if you put something in quotation marks, you mean you know that it it doesn't necessarily have to be that thing that you're. That you're writing in terms of words. So I had used the word apple and I said, okay, put apple in quotation marks. It means a round red fruit, but you would have to ask yourself, right? Um, are all round red fruits apples? Pomegranates are round and red. They're not apples. So when you see those quotation marks, it means that that particular word, they, they, it means this word, right? This word. But anytime you see those words in, in those quotation marks, it's referring, you know that it's referring to a round red fruit, but not necessarily an apple. So we're not saying that all round red fruits are apples, right? So that's a, that's a legalistic thing that you can do with words. So I can put human in quotes or person in quotes. I can even lawfully enter into a contract where I agree to call um a car, a dog, and then I can legally own um, a car that or, or, or a dog that I can drive because I just, you know, legalistically I called that car a dog. So now I can say, oh, I have a dog that takes, you know, 93 octane gas. I have a dog that go that will go from zero to 60 in three seconds. You see, so we can we can expand our definitions of things as long as everybody agrees. And that's that's completely lawful. So when it comes to words, it's it's what's not is said is just as important as what is said. You know, so you'll find a lot of just situations where um it'll get tricky around you and the power of, of determining, of being self-determined rather um, it's not just some sort of auxiliary construction to the person. You know, it's, it's a vital part of who you are, you know, being able to advocate and to speak, you know, there's a, there's an important concept, matter of fact, and in, in legalism called consent. Probably one of the most important things a person could ever learn about any legalistic process is consent. Sometimes we consent and don't even know we're consenting. You know, from a legalistic perspective, silence is consent. And consent is when you agree to something that has been proposed to you. And, it, and it's different from assent. You know, when you consent to something, you suppose something, um, you know, a physical power, the, having the physical power to act or having the moral power of acting uh, or having a, a serious and determined free use of any of those powers is consent. So when you're consenting, it's it's either it can be implied or it can be expressed. And when it's expressed, it's given by way of writing. By way, by way of voice But when it's implied It's given by signs Or given by actions Or given by a, a, a statement of facts Or inaction Or silence You know these things now All constitute the presumption That consent has been given Because there was silence Or there was inaction So like if I came up to you and say And I said hey um, I'm Chief Yuya I'm the Chief of Anu Life Global Ministries, and we're going around collecting taxes for everyone who's um, on the planet because we feel like everyone who's on the planet benefits from our presence. Pay me your taxes. And you then pay me. You haven't you haven't accepted the claim. That well, well, at that point, you've accepted the claim that I am your government. Because I made a demand and it rests upon the claim. So meeting the the demand means that you've accepted the claim. I claim that you owe me because I did this and you accepted it. So that word accept implies the ability to reject. You could have said yes or no, but you accepted it. So when you reject the claim, the demand has no foundation. At that point, the claim has to be either, um, what we say, abandoned or it has to be defended. And defending a claim means that a human being um, has to use words, <laughs> you know, just like, you know, um, you know, like when people get elected in your area, you know, councilmen councilwomen, mayors, you know, different elective officials, you usually will get something in the mail. You, know, you get some junk mail, <laughs> if you will. And it says, and it will let you know that they're your new representative. And we we look at that and we think, oh, they're just sending that because it's like an advertisement. Like they, they're bigging themselves up. And we don't realize that, no, that's a claim. So if I get elected by whomever, I don't know, um, to be the new councilman over where you live, and then I send out a letter to everyone to, you know, in your mailbox and, and I say, Hey, I'm your new councilman. I'm your new representative. And you respond and say, I'm sorry, chief. No, you're not. Then I'm not your representative because you, re- you rejected my claim. But if you don't say anything, if you're silent, then I become your new representative or your new councilman, and therefore I become your government. So your consent is not identical with a sin. It doesn't require um, an affirmation, you know, like a positive like yes from you. It's just achieved through your silence just as much as it's achieved through your words. You see? So. How many words, spirits, do you have floating around you telling you who and what they are in your life that you have not decided to reject the claim of? You see, there's an argument that we can have around some of the character traits we may have, have, we may have or we may have even engendered um, by our way of living or pathogenic and um sort of uh, activities. And sometimes we, you know, we become sick. The person becomes sick and then society becomes sick. And we don't look at the viewpoint of well, what, what contracts have I made? Not realizing because of my silence. You see. Or what contracts have I made because I thought I was obligated to do so. I was obligated to say something that I didn't really have to say. You see. And something stepping forward and saying that. I am your. Um, I'm your government or I'm your representative or I'm your doppelganger. I'm your uh, <laughs> spiritual guide. You know, you could reject that claim because again it's it's there's a trickiness of words oftentimes that we just don't pick up on and um if we want to start moving as intelligent people i would advise that that's something that we take the time to do um don't be lazy <laughs> you know if you hear something or a word is used and you don't understand it then you stop for a second and you gain understanding even if that word is another is in another language that's okay you know, even if it's in another language, you take the time to learn what that, what those words mean. You know, because in not doing that, they may be weaponized against you and you don't even realize it because you were silent to the claim that was made by those words because you didn't understand the word. It's like when I said earlier about statutes. And a lot of people think that statutes are laws, but they're not laws. And people say statutes all the time. You get pulled over in your car and they say, Oh, you're not allowed to do this over here because of statute, so and so and so and so. Okay. Why didn't you say because of law, so and so, so and so? Why is it when I go to court you're telling me you're showing me statute? A statute, like I said, is just a it's a legislated rule by society which can be forced enforced by law. You know, but us in a society, it's just a bunch of people who get together to deliberate and they pretty much say, OK, well, we all want to do this thing. We all have this particular goal and in, in, in common. But if you're not a member of that society, its rules and statutes have no force of law over you. So if you remove your consent to be represented by that society and you're no longer a member of that society and no statute for that society, then at that point. Can have the force of law over you, I remember having this debate <laughs> with a uh, um a law professor at one point, and um at one point, I just had to kind of leave it because I was like yeah you don't you don't you don't understand like you don't get it <laughs> you know you only get what you were taught in uh school, but you don't you don't really understand what you actually was taught. You don't understand the words. You just know, you know, because they kept saying like, yeah, well, you know, but we know there's certain things you're not supposed to do. It's against the law. It's just, I was like, no, it's, what do you mean we just know certain things we're not supposed to do. There's laws and there's statutes. Not the same. She's like, they're the same thing. Like, they're not the same thing. You know, um, you can, for instance, you can serve what we call a constructive notice of denial of, a, of consent. And that removes consent, which is required for you to be deme- deemed a member of society. You can literally say I'm I'm serving a constructive notice of denial of consent. I don't I'm not a member of the society. That means you also give up the benefits of being a member, but you also are completely free from having to give deceptive statutes, the force of law. You know, like uh, the Income Tax Act, for instance, or um, the Narcotic Control Act or the Motor Vehicle Act and all these other different kinds of parliamentary Legislation. Yeah. You know, but that goes into a whole nother area. Certain things you can only talk about on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, those are just things that I wanted to share. And I, and I spoke about this a while ago about just asking, staying asking, ask questions, questions of power. And if you're asking questions, then the assumption is that you're asking because you want to know what's lawful with the intent of keeping it. If you don't ask questions and the assumption is that it's because you already understand the law already. So when you begin to start asking questions, you're taking power. You put the other human who's in front of you in a position where they have to protect their claim in order to have their demands get met, whether it's a human or whether it's a spirit. If they refuse or they're unable to answer the questions you pose and they're ignorant of the truth. And they're in no position to exercise any sort of authority over you. So questions voiced with authority and, and when they're, uh, sort of laced and tempered with compassion, uh, pointing to the weak, weakest aspects of someone's claim, they're your most powerful weapons against anything's demand. You know? After a while, it almost becomes fun. <laughs> it's almost like when you learn something, and you know, I say, if you learn something about food, or you learn something about education, or you learn something about religion, and you have people who are representatives of alternative ways of eating, or or religiousizing, and things like that, in front of you, it almost becomes fun to ask certain questions. You, you feel the empowerment, and you you may start asking questions you know they can't answer. You know, they say, well, I got to come back to you. I, I'll come back. To you. Now they're going up the chain. And what's happening is that those people become very busy in defending their power by answering questions. And if they can't do that, then they, they're not exercising their power. So all the power in a word is reflected back with a question. And questions establish authority. Questions establish control. And, you know. Whenever you have an an entity that's seeking to oppress you, whatever it is, you know, uh, corporeal or non corporeal, physical or non physical, answer every question with a question, and make sure whatever you ask points out a weakness in what that entity or that human's authority is is supposed to be. You see that's how you move into a place of liberty and you move out of the, the creed of slavery. You see, Uh um, not being questioned on things is always the argument of a tyrant, <laughs> you know? So yeah, it's just some things I wanted to share for you to think about, you know, and as we're moving into the, the closing, just coming into this next Gregorian, Gregorian, excuse me, with a bit more intelligence and a bit more light. And, uh, I know it's, it can be challenging sometimes, you know, sort of staying on top of everything and like pulling those two pillars together, together. If you will, like we look at the Kabbalistic tree of life and we're always trying to pull the pillars together to, to create, we're, we're pulling together the right pillar, which is our mercy and our Love and our victory and our left side, which is our severity and our power, which is, which is actually, it's, I mean, if you understand it from Hebraic perspective, the right side of the Kabbalistic tree is Levi and the left side is Yehuda, you know. So on the right side, you have love, you have victory, you know, you have, um, the woman. And then on the left side, you have Abba or that inner father that the wisdom, you know, left, you have wisdom, the right, you have understanding. And then you have power on the left, or Geburah, and Majesty, you know things like that. In the middle, you have Beauty, right? But you're pulling Judah or Yehuda, pulling Yehuda and the the Levites or Levi. You're pulling them together to make sense of it all. But again, if you don't know what those words mean, <laughs> then it then you won't understand how to correlate them like they ought to be correlated, and where to find them. You know, you won't understand that. Yeah, man. Well, Hmm. Moses is understanding as Aaron is wisdom. Jan or John is love as Paul was power. Elijah is power. David is that majesty and the remnant is, is the endurance. You know, it's all in the words. Once you learn these words, it gets a lot easier. All right. So I'm gonna uh like I said, this would be it was somewhat short, thirty something minutes. Uh it's not a full podcast. But yeah, twenty first, let's let's see what we're gonna do. What our challenge, you know. Um I'm gonna do I'm here, already turning the phone off. I'm all. I'm gonna um do what we did in the last one and I'll speak about it again when we come back. You know, but you can go back and listen to last year's segment, you know, as far as the uh challenge, and we'll post it on the social media. Um I have a New page, a uh, house of yuya. That's, uh, just a YouTube page. There's an IG page, Facebook page, and there's a Twitter page. It's nothing really up there yet, but I'm going to start, uh, sharing some things through that page. So go on ahead and, and follow now. <laughs> you can get on it now. House of yuya. All right. H O U S E O F Y U Y A. I'm probably never going to spell that again because I shouldn't really have to. All right. But, um, the content there will be a little bit different than, um, that you may find like on Chief Yiya or on the Anu Nation sites because it's more specifically geared towards m- my own actual house, you know, within the, within any nation and the community, you have different houses, you know, and each house represents a different thing and those houses get together and if they're moving, some houses are royal, some houses may not be, but the more houses and the more royalty you gather together, then you start moving into the place of an empire. When you bring kings together, eventually you can form an empire. So I'm going to start sharing a little bit more of some of the aspects of, um, my house, like not, not so much, you know, I'm a very private person. So I got to admit, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pull the curtain back. Uh, but so far, but definitely I, I, I told myself in the coming seasons, I'm going to start sharing a little bit more on the importance of, of being a master of a house and, and, um, what that looks like in reality, not just saying it. It's so easy to say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm a man. So I'm a, you know, yeah, prove it. And like I've said before, if you haven't refined a queen, if you haven't taken a, a woman from, a unrefined state to a refined state turned into a queen. You, you are no king. You cannot own that. Ty- you could say it all day, but real kings will never respect you. I certainly won't. You know, I certainly won't. If, if you calling yourself a king and your reflection or your wisdom or your earth is a savage, you know, you, you're no king. I could tell you that right now. <laughs> you're no king. Because you, she's showing and proven exactly what you are. And if she's not able to impute that and craft and make that into the children, then she's no queen. You see, so everyone has their telltale signs. Everyone has, um, you know, their manifested projections that show and prove exactly what they are. And, um, you know, we can, we can pretend only but so long, but eventually our fundamental nature is going to reveal any fundamental changes in our values and our attitudes, uh, which we call our, you know, human character orientation, if you will. But um our new our ethics and our attitudes towards nature, towards the world and towards the omni, the omnipresence of this this mind which we call ether, um, it's always gonna show because ether causes us all to touch. It's a depersonalization of um and really somewhat of a spirit, spirit of quantification and abstraction that allows characteristics to kind of just float into the atmosphere as you as you you might and and be witnessed and be seen, you know. So any real change that we make will begin to emerge as certain demands around us, sw- silent demands even. There'll become, there's a psychological alchemy that begins to arise from the, uh, like I said earlier, the pathogenic nature, um, of our character. And it, we start to move beyond survival, but we start to move into a place where right living becomes our fundament and the fulfillment of ethical and spiritual demand becomes our fundamental, not the survival of our ego. You're always gonna tell on yourself whether you realize it or not. All right, so you know, like I said, just a little mini podcast in between, just to check in with you all. And I don't even know when I'm entitled this week. But <laughs> so I don't know what to call it as we're as we're signing out. But by the time I upload it, I'll have a title. But I know it's the hundred and six. It's definitely the hundred and six, and uh looks like we'll probably do one or two more. Before we, we, uh, go into the new Gregorian. All right. So, um, uh, again, thank you all for tuning in. It's been a blast <laughs> and, uh, I'll see you on the next one. This is Chief Yuya and don't forget to, um, follow the house of Yuya house of Yuya for some new content coming forth over there as well. All right. Everyone peace. Be well.